It's worse than graffiti. I was just told by security that she apparently had glue and she glued herself to the floor. And she refused to lift her wrist up. And I don't mean to laugh, but this really happened. She glued her wrist to the floor and they were trying to pull her off and she was resisting. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now is Jameson Welch. You can follow him on Twitter at the Jameson. Um, I apologize for the potential mental image I'm about to give you, but do you believe there was skin that was stuck to the floor after they got that protester off the court two nights ago? Nah, man, that's, that's a little too much. That, that's, that's, a little, <laughs> that's a little stretch right there. But you know how things go. You got to tell a story. You know, we got to be extra dramatic when things happen. So I get it. All right. Uh, if we look ahead to the actual first round, uh, the intrigue in the East might be the Nets and the Celtics. Do you believe the Nets can actually beat Boston in the first round? I do, actually. Uh, I'm not saying that they're going to or it's a guarantee, but I, I actually do believe the Nets have a shot. I mean, they have Kevin Durant, who, you know, is the best player of the series, and you can make argument that Kyrie is the second best player. Whenever you have that, you have a really good chance in a series. Uh, now, they got to play a certain level, but it's definitely possible. It's going to come down, though, to the Nets' other guys, the Bruce Browns, the Claxtons, uh, Steph Curry, Seth Curry's, those guys. Like, that's what's going to come down to. So we'll definitely see. But they definitely have a, they definitely have a shot, uh, especially without Robert Williams. You know, Celtics don't have Robert Williams, which is a big issue for them. Um, and missing in the pain, they got to play Horford. And Tice Moore, which is, you know, it could be kind of dicey, but uh, it should be a good series. I think the reason why it's so close at the books and a lot of people were kind of undecided of it is based off of, you know, the Celtics missing Robert Williams. I mean, normally a seventh seed wouldn't be, you know, plus 120 to win a series, but here we are. Is anyone or should they be afraid of Miami? Uh, Miami's a good regular season team. Uh, they play hard every night. They're very well coached. They're well scouted. Um, they're you know they're gonna they're gonna be a tough out, but they're not the team with the highest ceiling. So when you look at teams like them, you don't want to play them, but at the same time they're not the favorites. Um, you would have Milwaukee as a favorite. A healthy Boston's probably better than them, and if Brooklyn ever gets healthy, they're better. You know, it's just a tough team because as good as they are as a unit. This is the time of year where you need stars. Mm-hmm. And their stars just don't shine as bright as other teams' stars shine bright. So that, to me, is their issue. Just like happened in the bubble. Like, as good as they were in the bubble, they're into a team with two bigger stars. And we saw how that worked out. As good as Jimmy is and as good as Bam is, they're just not good enough and compare them to other teams. Like, I know they had Milwaukee's number, number for a minute, but that's changed. We have a different Giannis now. Boston has two guys that are better than their guys. So it's a very interesting mix right now, but Miami is definitely a tough out. What James Harden do we see in the postseason with Philadelphia? Man, uh, well, I saw a clip just now where Jalen Rose is going over his stats and it sounded like tour dates. Four for 16, <laughs> four for 15, four for 10, you know, five for, tw- you know, 21. So if that's the case, then we might have a short series because, you know, it's one of those things that I honestly don't know that he can overcome. I don't think his body's right. When you have a hamstring injury of that type, you don't 
necessarily come back the same. And he tried to play on that. Like, that's the thing, you know, we give him a lot of issues and flack for being out of shape and having, you know, some, you know, off-court things that go on. But he tried to play with a hamstring that normally you sit for a couple months. And I don't think he's ever been right since. He's definitely not blowing by any guys anymore. He can still shoot the basketball, but his percentage has gone down. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what goes on. But I don't think that they're going to get the James Harden they envisioned. And I think that's the biggest problem because they traded away a lot of assets and a lot of things to get him. And they're not getting back what they originally envisioned. And that's the issue because they have a very short window like a lot of other teams do. And I don't think it's going to happen this year for them. Can Memphis win the West? Um, If Phoenix is healthy, no. Because Phoenix has several matchup advantages over them, but I don't think Memphis can overcome. And Memphis is still young. Like there's a part of the playoffs that youth is going to be a factor. Plus, I don't know if you can play ten or eleven guys in playoff games like that. However, I do think Memphis gets to the conference finals. I think that they take care of Minnesota in five or less. And this is going to sound crazy, but I think they take care of Golden State relatively easily. I think they can take care of Golden State within five games, like just the way the matchups are and the way the teams are. Now, Golden State's very experienced, but they're not the same team that went on that run in the middle of the 2000s. Like, it's just not the same team. Like, they're still very good, and they're a worthy opponent, but the shooting is not the same, and the defense is not the same as it once was. Now, they still have flashes of that era, but it's not quite the same. Uh, But Jordan Poole intrigues, intrigues me for the Warriors. He's a guy that... If he gets hot, he can definitely change the game. But when I look at the the Grizzlies roster and the strengths of their team, they have a lot of things that really can combat what the Warriors provide, and I think that's going to be the overall matchup in the second round. So, okay, how many teams, because it sounds like you're very much on board with Phoenix being a massive favorite out of the West, how many teams do you think can actually win the NBA title this year? Um, if healthy, like if you told me Brooklyn got healthy overnight, they would be on there. Milwaukee would be on there. Um, a three, we got three. Wow. We got three and a pop. You can talk me into Memphis. I wouldn't necessarily believe you, but you can, you know, you can try to convince me, <laughs> but I think we got three and a pop. <laughs> Uh, on the idea of Memphis, what I find is an interesting comparison is New Orleans, who obviously they draft Zion right before John Morant. New Orleans has, you know, some good pieces. You McCollum, call them Brandon Ingram. It's not a, a bad team there, but they've obviously been missing Zion Williamson. Do you think New Orleans looks at what the Grizzlies are doing and thinks we could do that if Zion was healthy? Kind of. Uh, the problem with New Orleans is this. We don't know if Zion wants to be there, and we don't know what their plan for is him. Because when you have a guy like Zion, you have to figure out what you want to do. If you want to keep him there, then you don't really want to bring him back in the playoffs. There's really no, you know, really no need for that. They're not a team that has championship aspirations. However, you you got to make sure whatever you want to do with him, you got to make sure that plan is exact. Because what needs to take place is if they're going to move him, then move him and be done with it, get your assets back and continue to build forward. But if they're going to keep him, they have action of being a very, very good team. Uh, it's just really getting the right pieces around him and making sure he can maintain a solid weight to play at. Because right now, 
he don't have a tricky body. His body's big. Like, he's a defensive <laughs> defense lineman type body. Like, it's different. Like, when you look at him, he's a guy that, yes, he's so athletic, so you don't really look at it like that. But he's a big guy. And when you land, when you jump and land like that, that's not good for the knees and feet. And he's had issues with both. So that scares me if I'm a guy that has to pay him, you know, a max contract this summer, which the Pelicans are going to probably have to do. So if there's a lot of things going on with Zion, but if they can figure it out, they have as much promise as anybody. I just don't know if it's going to work out just based off his conditioning and weight. He has not been the same since he blew out of that shoe at the Duke game when he was in college. He has not been the same athletically. He has not been the same physically since that game. Do you believe for a second that LeBron won't have a ton to deal with who's on the who's on that roster next year, uh, despite what he says? Nah. So, all right, so here's the thing, man. The NBA is a stars league, all right? I can't speak necessarily for baseball because there's, like, 28 roster spots on it. Football has, like, 53-plus, like, eight or nine practice guys. The NBA is a stars league. If an NBA match player that has the importance that LeBron has, whatever team he is on, when he sends that text or call saying, hey, we should do this, or, hey, I want this guy, that's what gets done. That's how it goes. Now, every organization is different. Sometimes things get vetoed. Sometimes things, you know, happen. But for the most part, a guy's voice as big as LeBron's is gets heard. And more than likely, like this past summer, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the moves that were made didn't work out. But adding Carmelo Anthony, that was from LeBron. Like That wasn't a Rob Plinker putting Carmelo on the list at 1201 call. No, that was, hey, like LeBron made the call, you know, make it happen. And then Russell Westbrook, there was already a trade or two in the works. And then all of a sudden they shifted to getting Russell Westbrook, which pretty much ended their season. So, you know, this is kind of how the NBA works. And once the salaries get higher, we're going to see more and more of this amongst more players because we know the new TV, TV deals coming up. There's going to be more money to um, spread across the salaries and whatnot. So you're the GM of that team. What's the first thing you do to make it competitive again? Uh, I ship off Russ to anyone who has them, uh, anyone who wants them. I ship them out. I get some pieces back just to get the flexibility back. And it's not because he's a terrible player or he's a bad fit. They don't have any flexibility. And when you have a third guy making $40-plus plus million I think it'll be 47 next year, you got to get flexibility back to try to figure out a ways to improve your team. And you can't do that with a third guy making that kind of money and he hasn't worked out, and he had the interview he had the other day. So you got to move him, get some other pieces back, and try to get very creative and try to put, you know, put together a pretty good team going forward. You have two good building blocks. Obviously, both have a lot of questions. We know Anthony Davis's health issues. We know LeBron's age. He'll be only year 20. So you need to make life easier on those two, especially LeBron. So you need to, make, you need to bring in players that complement their skill set so you don't have to play LeBron James 40 minutes a game. So he doesn't have to leave the league and score or come in second. LeBron, yes, we all know he can score. We don't need him at 30 points a game. Like, that's not what you want him doing in year 19. You want him around 25 a game, 24 a game at this stage. If he has to put out the energy to score six more points a game, that's not good for anyone. You got a prediction for us on what team Russell Westbrook plays for next year? Uh, Indiana or Charlotte, either of those two. What would be the logic for either of those teams to trade for Russell Westbrook? You 
get off long-term money. So Indiana has Brogdon at three more years at like 20 plus million a year. They have Buddy Heald at like 20, and I think it goes down like 18 in the following year. Uh, so a lot of teams want to get off long money that they owe players that aren't that great or aren't what they envisioned. Russell Westbrook's contract is an expiring one, so it, it allows you to get off a lot of long-term money quickly. So you, you trade Russell Westbrook, you trade for his contract, he plays that deal out, and you're good. Because remember, you've got to pay the, the player's salary one way or another. So you either pay it for one year or you pay it for two or three. So that's why his, his contract could be attractive to some teams. I heard Charlotte was mentioned earlier in the week, and it makes sense. Gordon Hayward has, I believe, three more years left on his deal. Uh, I believe at 25 and change a year. Uh, there's a Ubre, you can do Rozier, you can whatever you want to make that work. Um, there's ways to make things work, and of course, there's a Knicks. There's always the Knicks. You can never rule them out. <laughs> Russ is not a CAA client like most of their roster, but the Knicks are always there. They have a bunch of weird contracts to make anything work, but it's the Knicks, so who knows? But with that being said, there's definitely ways to get his deal. They don't have. I would be very surprised if they have to stretch and wave him. I would be almost shocked if they have to do that. Well, he is Jameson Welch. You can follow him on Twitter at the Jameson. Jameson, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jameson. Not a problem. Thanks for having awesome me. Awesome stuff. I hope it's the Knicks. That would be the most fun, right? Yeah, dysfunctional that'd be organization, dysfunctional, dysfunctional star with Russ. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. We would have to do literally either a daily or whatever, whenever the day after the Knicks play segment where Adam Candy comes on and just breaks down <laughs> everything that went wrong. It'd be great. It'd be phenomenal. Plus, can they keep Thibodeau around with Russell Westbrook? Oh, that'd, be, that'd be glorious. Talk about clashing. I mean, <laughs> Russell Westbrook once played with a broken face. I'm pretty sure that's the, they, they might that's get the along. Thibodeau yeah. like They standard. might get along, actually. Yeah, they might be like, this Tough is guy. my guy. Tough guy. Yes, I will play all 48 minutes. That other coach didn't want me to play, but four minutes, 48, let's do it. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, I'm not going to cave in. End of story, dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude. 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 Bischoff's Briefs. Dude. Bischoff's Briefs. I guess you've got a point there. All right, Bischoff's Briefs today has absolutely nothing to do with sports because I'm pretty sure I found the best job slash biggest scam in the world. I'm pretty sure this, what we do, is is uh, one of the whole top job things, but this is 100% better. Professional baby namer. There's a story in the New York Post about a professional baby namer. Are you sure it's true? Um. Taylor Humphrey, she, she told the New York Post, Taylor Humphrey in 2020 named over 100 babies. She charges at a minimum $1,500, which means she made at least $150,000 last year naming other people's babies. She charged one couple as much as $10,000. Also, she doesn't have any of her own children. So she's worked as a matchmaker, a fundraiser, and an event planner, and has no children, but she's doing this. Um, I say she's an incredible businesswoman. And it's unbelievable. She's she's this a, this, she's incredible. This is a charlatan. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, uh, to give you some examples, 
recently, she chose the baby name Parks for a couple who had their first kiss in a town called Parker. So she does her research. She does her reporting. D- depends on how much you pay her, right? Oh, there's there's fifteen hundred just to say Joe. Pa- yeah, fifteen hundred. She might <laughs> you just get Joe she, or there's Mark. There's just a generic Mike. list of names. But yeah, as much, depends on how much she'll do genealogy to go back and try to find like old uh, family names from whatever the 1700s okay. or something like that. Um, she also that's how you want a kid named Horatio. <laughs> <laughs> she also advised an anxious mother who was considering changing her daughter's name, Isla. Because it kept being mispronounced. She was compensated for telling the mother to stick with the name. So somebody called this woman and said, hey, I already named my baby. Should I change it? Because people keep mispronouncing it. And I probably just did mispronounce it. And then she got paid to say, no, no, no. That baby should keep its name. How did she get paid for that? That is unbelievable. Um... Here was my favorite line of the entire story in the New York Post. She said she is frequently approached by parents who are having their third or fourth child and have run out of names. Oh, yeah. How have you run out of names? In terms of, she said, this is is the one woman who wanted to kind of match the name with the other three? Yes. How have you run well, out of names? The two older sons, Humphrey, advised a mom who's expecting baby number three to go with her two older sons, Emmett and Miller. So her tops pick were Grady, Wilson, Waylon, and Fletcher. Waylon, yeah, Waylon, because those match Ouch. somehow. Yeah. Well, I don't know how they match, but she must be doing some reporting to Emmett say that. Emmett and Waylon, or she's just making it up. And people are like, all right, you're, you right. sounds good, so we'll just give you money. I I think this is an example of. People think a service is good or necessary because it's expensive. Yep. I can't there there's a name for that, but there's a phenomenon when you're shopping for things, you will often be like, "Oh, this is more expensive. I well, This it, has to it, be a better it product. It must be yeah. better." Yeah. Like we do that oftentimes with things we aren't like familiar with. We'll do that and be like, "Well, it's more expensive, so it's got to be the better option here." That has to be what's happening here. Why you have your third child and you're like, "Oh, we've run out of names." We have used all two <laughs> names that we could possibly think of. We've run out of names. We better pay this woman $1,500, $5,000 to what name a, our third What a child. businesswoman. It's incredible. You, okay. You keep saying what a businesswoman, and I keep thinking what a freaking con artist. That's that yeah. same thing. Yeah. That's, exactly. that's a synonym. That's a yeah. synonym, Jared. That's a synonym. Yeah. If you can con people out of fifteen hundred dollars to come up with the name names, a baby, oh, where'd you guys uh, meet? Where'd you? Have, oh, you had your first kiss in Parker. Ah, how about Parks? That'll, That'll be, be five thousand dollars. What do you like? Wh- in all seriousness, could you not do this? Absolutely, absolutely could do right? this. Right? And I actually know a kid, and he's not a kid, but I know a guy with his name. His uh, son's name is Parks. Not even an I could have come name. up with that. Not even an original name. No, I, I, his name, his, he has a son named Parks. Oh, my God. Did you see this? Sometimes you see a name like Brave on my list, and you think, I'm just not going to name my kid Brave. But you might as well put it on the list. Maybe it's a middle name. <laughs> I mean, she's just throwing stuff out there. I'll just put a bunch of weird names on there. You might not like her first name, but it might be a good middle name. Waylon Brave. We paid 2500 bucks <laughs> for that name. Wait. Do you make your kid repay you when they turn 18? 
Like, listen, son. Oh, that's right. Before you were born, we spent $5,000 to name you. You're going to have to pay us that back when you turn 18. I wonder if she would have done her research on our son's name and why. Why we named him Tristan. That's a good oh, test. That's a like, good that's test. That's a good test. Like, okay, we named Can him you Tristan. Can you figure out why we named and our we'll kids tell you why things about him. us. Yeah. Yeah, and then you can see. And if how you many get clues it, do you need? To, yeah, to, to figure, to figure this out, out why we named him Tristan. We'll give you five it's, grand if you figure it out in seven or fewer clues. <laughs> seven or fewer. <laughs> What's that game shot? I can name that tune. Right, two, two, yes. two notes. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I'm just gonna put it out there. It's because you like those uh, little wheat crackers, right? Oh no, I didn't tell you why we named him that. No, I'm joking. I was trying you to know make why. that you named him yeah. after a Triscuit. I don't know why, or if you oh, did, or oh, if you did right, tell yeah, us, ahead, I forgot. Right. Yeah, no, we named him Tristan after the Brad Pitt character in Legends oh, of the Fall. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do that. remember that. That'll be fifteen hundred dollars. Thank That'd you. Be, yeah, I don't think she'd figure. I, I mean, she'd have to have a <laughs> lot of information about us, unless you know, she looked at my wife and said, "Who would you rather marry?" She said, "Brad Pitt." Oh. Let me go through the characters of his <laughs> his movies, and Tristan's kind of a cool name, so okay, I'll get you did Tristan. How many uh, names has your wife come up with for birds? Oh, a lot. See, she, she, yeah, could she could do this. Do this. She could name birds. Yeah. She could absolutely name birds. She could do this. Go with names for kids? Yeah. And the name, listen, what she's naming birds is better than Waylon and Brave. She would not name a, bur- a bird Brave. Yeah. That, I'm saying, but I'm silly. saying Actually, like Brave is better a better name for a bird than it is for a human. Yeah. But no, I'm saying Milo, Maxie, Maisie, all these names yeah. those are better than Brave for a human, <laughs> exactly. for a kid. <laughs> if I met a kid named Brave, like, what's wrong with you? But if like, you know, Milo Boy, that kid would get beat up. Really? You're brave? Let's see. <laughs> Fifth grade. Yeah, you want to show me how brave you are? Imagine can she get sued in the future if a kid gets bullied for his name? I don't know. I um... My guess is she has good attorneys. Well, uh, I guess my question is, is if she comes back with like Sarah or like James, you're just like, what? How, how pissed off would you be that you're well, like, yeah. she already cashed the check. Yeah, she cashed well, she the 1500 She does give you a list. But she just like, she gives you th- 13 names and it's just the apostles. <laughs> John, I don't know about that one. Peter, maybe. Paul. I like Paul. I heard you went to Derek Carr's uh, sermon on Sunday. Definitely so here's not naming all the, the names from Judas. the Bible. <laughs> Matthew. I like that. I like Matthew. You can call him Maddie. Like, okay. But this is something almost anybody could do. If I if if you just took the yeah, time I mean, to do it. You'd have to take the time. You couldn't just come right. off the top of your head because you'd have to convince them this is why we're going with this right. list. Like you told me I, I have a questionnaire about you guys. You're gonna fill out the questionnaire. I'm gonna learn a lot about you. Then I'm gonna go do the research and all that. So you'd have to I guess she has to prove why she's coming up with this list. Like Jared's name. Jared's a regular nor- pretty normal name, but Jared misspells it. But his parents actually have a fairly cool reasoning as to why they combine two of his out of who are they? Uncles, grandparents? My, it was my mother's father's first three letters and my dad's first two letters. Yeah. So Jerome oh. and Edward. Yeah. And that's how okay. that's how you got Jared spelled with two E's okay. instead of an A. Right? Like that's better than anything this woman would have come up with. Boy, I don't think Unless she Unless Jerome and Edward suck. I don't think she would have said uh I mean, white Jerome is always a crowd pleaser. (laughs) My parents would have never gone for this. They just named me after my dad. So well, that's the other thing. It's like you're paying money. Just pick one of your family members and name them after that. Yeah, Yeah, we named our daughter after my mom. Every male in my family on my like dad's side of the family has the middle name Scott, just because 
we all have the middle name Scott. <laughs> hey, that's just it a eliminates name. it eliminates any thought. Yeah. Oh, it's a boy. It'll be blank Scott. Scott. Yeah, that's what we did. But no, you got to find out where you first had your first kiss and then name the kid yes. after that. It was after you uh, blew up the tires, right? Oh. Train station. Train. Hello, train. Hello, Tristan. Train. Well, they're doing parks instead of Tristan. Is train, train, uh, Waylon. Um, my, me and my girlfriend's first kiss was in Oxford, Mississippi. So we're naming our kid Ox or Ford. Ford Ox. Ford Ox Bischoff. Oxford would be better though. That's a horrible name. That, you name love a that kid name. Oxford. Yeah, I like that. No, name. He better than would Ox. Need to, he would either need to immediately get a lacrosse stick at like <laughs> at like five months old. You're putting a little lacrosse stick in his hand, or he would literally just need to be like, "Oh, I don't know if I can play football. I got to go lift all these hay bales." <laughs> all right, coming up next, Jr. Starkus joins the show. Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkus. Who needs a drink? So we drink and we drink and we drink. Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Starkus. Here he is, our key account executive, Seven Glazers Wine Spirits in Nevada, extreme exologist. Do you believe in unwritten rules in baseball? Um, it, not really, no. no. I think they're garbage. No, they're no, stupid. No, so. Garbage. Yeah. They're garbage. They don't, they, they well, don't they, exist anymore in 2022. They shouldn't. Well, I mean, there's been a couple of things, obviously, to me, that have been controversial uh, in the last, few, you know, like three days of baseball. One, obviously, Clayton Kershaw yesterday. Uh, that was yesterday, right? Yeah, yesterday yeah. or two days ago. Are you pulling yeah, him? Yesterday. Are you pulling him? Hell no, I'm not pulling him. Oh, oh. man. You're yeah. going to throw his arm out. He's got thrown 80 pitches, man. Like, it, you know, if and it's funny to see his his um, his post. I guess he had a quote saying like, "Well, you know, I, I don't know how to take it really. I mean, it comes off kind of like a like a like a hey, I'm a I'm a team player, but it's almost it's almost a bit of a bash on himself." He said his quote was something like, "Hey, you know the you know the the main goal here is to win. Like, so you thought 80 pitches a uh, perfect game? Like, you're done. Like, get out of here. Yep. You need your bullpen needs to finish it off because you're going to lose the game. Um, no, that's 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 awful. Now, if he throws a, a, to another batter and he walks a guy, or you know, um, you know, even if he walks a guy, he's still got a no hitter going. But uh, but he, if you know, if he get, a guy gets a hit or something, then okay, fine, pull him. But to to walk, to pull him out of the game yesterday was terrible. And then the other one was the Padres and and. Giants game, uh, you know, Ed's favorite teams, and the bunt in the sixth inning that was, like, frowned upon because the, one of the Giants batters bunted for a hit up nine on San, on San Diego, and, um, you know, there, the people were, like, screaming, how could you bunt up nine? I think that's absolute garbage. you got to find a way to make a play and get a defense. And, you know, I had a discussion with a baseball guy about it yesterday, and he said, oh, it's Bush League. And I said, okay, it's the sixth inning. <laughs> Do you not think – do you not think that a pro team has the capability of coming back in th- with three more innings to hit, right? And, and what's that batter supposed to do? Is he just supposed to, like, flail weekly at three pitches to strike out because they're up by nine, so just give yourself up and get it out? What if he hits a home run? Is that disrespectful, too, because now you're up by ten? Like, there's, there's, there's zero win. Like, I, in, in, with the younger kids, you can easily tell, like, there's one team that's awful and another team that's good. And if that team is up by nine in the third inning, then yeah, maybe when you look at it and say, Hey, let's not do that. Cause this other team is clearly uh, inferior to you, but in the pro ball, no, all, all things go. 
uh, up until the last inning, maybe. It doesn't hurt anyone for a guy to bunt. Be quiet and play the game. Shut up. <laughs> He's on. First. It does. It doesn't hurt. Who, who does it hurt? <laughs> yeah. It also doesn't hurt. You know, a couple of years ago, when Tatis swings at a three zero pitch and hits the grand slam, and everyone's all over him. Then you know what? Then don't groove a three zero pitch. I'm, I'm yeah. the, this nonsense about these unwritten rules. Just play the game. Stop talking. What? And it, I love that it was the Padres who whined. <laughs> I, I can hear I can hear Tyler thinking to you know thinking something like well this is great like the guy he bunted that's what you want you want him to give himself up he bunted all right you know? exactly <laughs> so he's you know, he's you know, agreeing to not hit the ball very far that's what I would want him yeah, to do yeah. he has Here, decided try, that's the decision leave it in the pick it up you, so you can throw it first yes. uh, <laughs> did you happen to listen to our last segment before yes, you came on that was great. Um, would you pay? Okay, first off, have you run out of names? If you had another kid, have you run out of names? Uh, no, I think there's plenty out there. Like, I feel like you could just flip open a dictionary or a book and be like, point to the page. That's the name. Like, that's, that might be what this chick does, you know, to a degree. She just opens a book. She's like, what's your favorite book? Yeah. And then, and then she, like, opens a page. 72 points to it. She's like, water. That is water. Okay, wow, I love that. Uh, there are 75 references to water in your Costanza, It's Costanza with the name Seven. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, I don't know, man. Like, uh, to your point, people, good, good for this chick to, like, have, have uh, I don't know, created this industry on uh, naming babies. Um, I'm wondering what, like, how you present this resume, like, to somebody that, you know, at a party, right? What do you do? Oh, I, uh, I'm a professional name, baby namer. I'd be like, really? listen, I've got the greatest scam going on in the world. <laughs> yeah. I'm a professional baby namer. You're like, really? She's like, yeah. So, you know, I have uh, 17 jobs out there, and they're all doing very well. Their annual gross income is uh, $175,000. So that's obviously a power play. And I know how to be like, does she have some sort of like analytics attached to the names that she chooses? She just uh, says she that, does a lot of research. She asks a lot of questions of the couple. I mean, what could you, I mean, let's go. I mean, seriously, I mean, if I'm, if I'm there, like, do, do you have to pay to have her ask the questions or do you only pay to have the baby name reveal? Because if that's the case, I tell my wife, I'm like, Hey, let's sit down with this lady. We don't have to pay her until she gives us a name. Let's just see what questions she asks us. And then we'll dive in ourselves on those same questions. <laughs> All right. right. Speaking of names, we had a guy named Ruby Martin playing in the, uh, in the for Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Playing yeah. for Kansas. What? If you had to rank, what are like the top? Like, what is the best name to have? If you name someone after alcohol, or like the worst? Because I assume the worst is like champagne. <laughs> well, yeah, you do hear the name champagne in my industry quite a bit. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's in certain certain club environments, you'll hear those that name. It's a stripper's uh, name. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. You know, I think I think something like rock. Stone Rock. would be good. Yeah, you know, something like that uh, would would be a good name. You know, uh, to 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 be called in the in the booze industry, maybe. Um, you know, uh, yes, Rock or Stone would be good. I think. Is uh, Rock what the R and Jr. stands for? <laughs> no, Robert. Close, <laughs> Robert. All right. What are you making for us today, Jr.? All right, so... Uh, Wait, hold on, hold on. Before you actually make it, I do want to give you credit. You are as good at naming cocktails as this woman is yes. at naming babies. I, yes. I'd, I'd actually give him a little more credit. More credit? Okay. Yeah. You, you're better at naming cocktails than she is at naming babies. So you could yes. absolutely name children for $150,000 a year. Uh, you know what? Uh, do it right now. Trade me in. Let's go. Like <laughs> I think I think I spend a lot of time on the golf course. And, uh, you know, then you I think sit off your list, like son, at nighttime. 
How about Bunker? Is that a good name for a kid? Uh, it's actually, not, actually not the worst. Tar Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Bunker Par. Bunker is not the good name to have. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. What you are know, you I making to, for I work, us? I work with a guy. His name is OB. And I'm like, mm, that's not good either for a golfer. No. OB? <laughs> what the hell? OB? What is that short for? It's just, it's just an, I don't, I forget what it stands for, but yes. uh, yeah, it's his initials, obviously, but uh, oh. like definitely not good names for a golfer. OB. All right. What are you making for us? So with um, Easter coming up this weekend, Easter Sunday, um, you know, I, I, Sunday? it's kind of, it is the Sunday. Yeah, it's right. It's the Sunday. We've had a quasi-religious show. <laughs> uh, I wanted to do a drink that, you know, you know, uh, that, that could work not only well for kind of like a brunchy style drink for Easter Sunday, but uh, something that you could, you could really drink all the time. Um, one of the popular flavors that's in a lot of cocktails, cucumber. And I don't think I've ever really, really done anything with, with cucumber, uh, if, if at all, or certainly not recently. Um, but then the combination of spice and cucumber that like heat and that cooling, because cucumber is a cooling flavor, obviously with the, the, that combination together is it, it works very well. You see it, um, used, you know, in cooking a lot. Um, so to, to make a cocktail today, I wanted to kind of capitalize on those two drinks by also making, or those two flavors by also making something that worked well, light and refreshing and, and nice for the warmer weather. Uh, so Take, a, take an English cucumber or a cucumber. I like the English cucumber variation. Um, and, and slice it into like quarter-inch wheels, if you will. And then, you know, it's like four of those um, slices of, of, of cucumber. I take them and I kind of quarter them up because I'm going to muddle it. It makes it a little bit easier to muddle. Throw those into a, a mixing tin with one slice of like a red chili. Um, you can add more pepper if you like. Um, obviously, but uh, but one slice of the red chili is it gives a nice kind of back sensation of spice without blowing your face off because you added too much heat to the drink, um, and, and it works quite nicely here. So take the the slice of chili and the the wheels of cucumber and give them a little muddle in a mixing tin. To that, you're then going to add an ounce and a half. I chose botanist gin. Um, botanist gin is a great uh, gin from Scotland from Isla. Um, it's it's a, a, a juniper forward, but very balanced style gin that works well in this particular cocktail. So an ounce and a half of botanist gin, uh, half of an ounce of St. Germain elderflower liqueur. Uh, St. Germain is in the bartender mixology community. It's referred to the bartender's ketchup because it can quote on go on everything. Um, and, and for many, many years, uh, St. Germain has been has been a, uh, a staple in any bartender's arsenal because you can literally put it into any drink with any spirit. It works on all of them. It's, it's a very much a chameleon in that aspect. Um, also adding an ounce of fresh lime sour. So half of an ounce of fresh lime juice and a half of an ounce of simple syrup. I take all those ingredients, add ice, shake well, um, and then strain it over fresh ice into a rocks glass. I'm going to top it up with, you have two choices here. Um, I chose Fever Tree Elderflower Tonic, but you could also choose Fever Tree Cucumber Tonic. Either one would work. Um, and top off the drink using that. Give it a little, a little stir because if you strain a drink and then top it with a soda or a tonic of sorts, you, you kind of have two separate drinks in the glass. If you can picture that, you have the, what you just poured and then the, the soda will sit on top. So you kind of got to give it a little stir to incorporate it. Garnish it with a nice uh, piece of cucumber and then maybe a few more chili slices. Um, those chili slices over time, if you do not drink the drink quickly, uh, will will start to infuse and it, the drink will even gather more spice as it sits there. Um, but it also, because the drink is kind of like this clear color because there's nothing in it to really give it any color, 
um, the the cucumber that's in the drink and the chilies that are in the drink really stand out quite nicely. And it's just a visually appealing uh, a cocktail to look at, and it's certainly refreshing to taste. The tonic uh, plays nicely with the heat and the cucumber. Um, it's just one of those drinks that will play well, you know, if you're if you're dining al fresco this 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 weekend uh, on a patio somewhere, and um, and, and and the weather's nice. It's it's really a, it's really a nice cooling, refreshing beverage for as we work our way into the warmer months. Well, that sounds absolutely awesome. Um, I have one quick question before we let you go, Jr. I was reading because I'm a 1950s housewife. I was reading in my uh, Better Homes and Garden cookbook from the mid '60s. What pairs like what is a good appetizer drink? And it said straight vermouth. I, yeah. So is that a thing? Were people out here just yeah. drinking straight vermouth? Well, especially in the 1950 home and gardens, yeah, they were. Um, you know, straight vermouth is basically uh, a, an aromatized and fortified wine. So think of it as wine that's a little stronger and with a little bit more flavor to it. Um, you know, that's, that's what vermouth really is. So, yeah, I mean, people drink vermouth or even, even vermouth with a splash of, like, club soda in it is glorious. And maybe a slice of lemon. Um, it's really nice. It's not high in alcohol, obviously. So it would be considered what we call an aperitif, a before, um, a before meal drink that kind of gets, that stimulates the appetite and gets your, you know, you get you kind of salivating to eat and kind of makes you hungry. That's where the Aperol Spritz, for instance, also comes into play as a great aperitif-style cocktail. But vermouth very much accomplishes the same thing. Well, it's glorious that he'll be at JR Makes Drinks on Instagram later making this drink for you. It's at JR Starkus on Twitter. Joins us every Thursday. Extreme mixologist, that's what we like to call him. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. Thanks, JR. You got it, guys. Thanks, JR. Talk to you next week. Take care. He's better at naming things than that woman. Rock? Yeah. I mean, Rock is... Rock Jones. Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson, yeah. Stone. Stone Phillips. Who the hell is Stone Phillips? Are you guys we should go fam- to break. Are you doing the thing where you name famous people and I don't know who they are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, who's Stone Phillips? <laughs> this Hicks. Here's the 1-0. Swung on, there it goes. Deep left center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. But caught. At the wall, caught by Tapia. Boy, I thought that was gone. So Stanton got close. He sent Tapia back to the wall to make the catch. And the Yankees come up just empty. That would have tied the game. So the Yankees get one run on two hits and leave one. Out of the stretch. Gresley's ready. And the first pitch on the way. Marte, a fly ball to left. That looks deep enough to win it. Back goes McCormick. There's A dropped it. Diamondbacks win it. And the Diamondbacks, like they did in the opener, walk this one off with a victory over the Astros, beating Houston by a score of 3-2 to two in 10 innings. You're locked in the press box. Actually, now that I think about it, the Astros lost yesterday sack fly in the 10th inning. The bases were loaded with one out and the ball was hit pretty close to the warning track. Dropping it's probably the best thing to do because if you catch it, you're not throwing the guy out at home. Right. But if you drop it and hope that all the other runners don't advance, you could get a double play. And if right. they're force outs, the run doesn't count. Eh. He didn't. He dropped it on accident. He didn't. He wasn't trying to do that. But now that I'm thinking about it. He should have picked it up and rifled it in and see if they could get the see guy if they third get the and double. second. That'd be great. That, that'd be a hilarious way to lose. Well, the game was tied, but to lose a game is to have some force out where the guys just didn't run to the <laughs> next base. <laughs> be incredible. Um, 
the call you heard before that was John Sterling thinking Giancarlo Stanton tied the game, but he like barely made it to the warning track too. This wasn't like the home run was robbed. Like that was like no, it wasn't even close. Ball. It wasn't even close. The guy just went back and caught the ball. How excited was Sterling? What a nut job! Aren't are all announcers back in the ballpark? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. I was for for 2020 and parts of 2021, yeah. right? You give announcers a break, they're not there. Absolutely. They're, they're going watching off a on TV a video monitor. Sure. Yeah, sure. But if you're there now and you butcher a home run call that badly, I mean, he was done with his home run. He was he finished the home run call. Yes. And he caught it. And then it was caught. That is far that's back. That is gone. <laughs> and caught. It's so bad. That's terrible. Um, he's got the ball. He's going to the end zone. He's got it. Touchdown. They stopped him. <laughs> stopped him at that? the two. What is that? Uh, you want to know what I'm already mad about this year? Oh, gosh. Uh, um, children? Well, yeah, children. They, they suck. But uh, umpires? Angel Hernandez? Um, so, you know the uh, Twitter account, Ump Scorecard, that tweets yeah, out the fun it, yeah. little graphic yep. of, of what umpires missed? So they actually have a website, and they track the entire year. So far this year, the Astros have lost 4.17 runs because of bad umpire calls. In every single game they've played, the other team has been favored by the umpires. Uh, The second worst team is Detroit. They're minus 2.16. So the Astros are getting screwed a full two Detroit doesn't need to get screwed. The Astros are good enough to get screwed and still win games. (laughs) Poor Detroit. I feel a lot sorrier for them. Eh, they're minus four. They've played six games and they're <laughs> minus four. That's horrific. We had Adam Candy on and I asked him to explain because they they changed their graphics. Like they changed how their graphics look on Twitter from this year. And I did, couldn't quite follow the information. And I asked him about it. How, how are they determining added and lost runs? So, OK, so because we have had so many baseball games over the history of time, we know the exact like average number of runs a team will score given every uh, situation dependent on runners on ba- uh, runners on base outs and the count. Okay, and so if there's nobody on base, I think it's maybe like point six or something. Like starting an inning, it's like point six. But or, if there's first or and second like with that. nobody out, first and second with nobody out, the average team's right. probably scoring like one point one runs. Right, bases loaded with nobody out, it's like two point eight or maybe three. Right. So like. Yeah, but it okay. and it updates with every pitch. So like, if it's an OO count and if the umpire blows it, right? They, the way this works is they say, okay, if it was a one O count, their expected runs would have been blank. But now ah. it's an O one count and their expected runs have dropped from point right. five to right. .45. So that's minus point oh five yeah. runs that they just cost them. And the Astros so are leading in this? Yeah, so the Astros that's are getting shame. screwed more than anybody that's in baseball. Shame. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> they lost yesterday by a run, and the umpires, what was, how, what the umpire's call benefited the Diamondbacks 0.99 runs. Right there. <laughs> right there. Right at the top of the uh, ledger there. Yes. Uh, but the Astros actually lost because for some reason they can't hit the Arizona Diamondbacks pitching staff. I can. The Astros relievers in two games through 11 innings and gave up three runs only one of which was was earned that's incredible and they only won one of those games because the offense scored three runs in 19 innings they need a buzzer they do they do where's the <laughs> trash can bring it back it's ridiculous they I, what they really need is to take some steroids because they hit a lot of fly balls at the warning track Astros? yes Really? A lot of fly balls in the warning track. I'm like, all right, let's get hit the weight room or something. Let's get these over the fence.